you know, again, what it comes back to is that sort of Exodus theme. When they left, God also told them to to ask for things from the Egyptians. So later on, it tells us that some of the mirrors that the women had brought out, they brought to the, the door of the temple, and these were refashioned, renewed into the basins that were used in the temples. And I always think that, you know, God is, yeah, it's not just about moving from one place to the other, it's about, you know, renewing, repurposing. So yeah, Revelation is just brings that, brings that hope, brings that promise. Welcome to this week's Calling a City to Life. There are five people, five whole people. We, we're not a complete number, Brody, because there's not seven of us. Is that is that okay? Do we need to add another two for it to be a perfect podcast? <laughs> I think we're fine, Richard. And and you think we're okay? I, I am so impressed at what you're not saying anymore. Uh, uh, I. Do that. No, you're going to make me say it. You're going to make yeah, me yeah, say that, it. That's a wee bear trap <laughs> I laid, laid for you there. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Shirley. How are you? Oh, <laughs> he's, he's only gone and done it. <laughs> We're joined by Shirley Berry, who was our guest preacher at the weekend. Thank you for joining us on on a Tuesday. Does it does it feel a bit odd having to like do extra time from a Sunday sermon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, odd but good. Like. These are a great bunch of people, so why not hang out for a wee while longer? Eh? <laughs> Excellent. We'll, we'll stop recording at that point. Ian, do you think she was talking about you when she said we were a great bunch of people? Uh, probably not. I bring the average down, I'm sure. So uh, it's good to be with the rest of you today. <laughs> not at all. And good morning, Jackie. How is it next door? It's good. Thank you. I'm good, good. very excited. If, I, if I wave, then yeah, on the I video, can. you can just about Thanks pick me up in the background through the little window. There we go, there we go. Shirley, you spoke to us this weekend. And first off, before I get you to do a wee summary, I want to know what it was like. Ian, I assume, reached out to you and said, Shirley, come and preach. And you're like, excellent. Love coming to Queen's Park. It's great fun. Great people, as you've already said. And then you read to the bottom of the letter and it says, Shirley would like you to preach in the Book of Revelation. Go from the high of the invitation to the, oh my goodness, what am I going to say yeah. moment? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, that stands for for every subject, I would say. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I have a week where I start off feeling quite excited um, at the thought and then I end up on my knees and then on my face <laughs> before God can help. And, uh, and then, you know, things start to come and nothing really ever settles until you're standing up there and you open your mouth. So um, so it is quite a roller uh-huh. coaster, whether it's Revelation or not. But yeah, I have to say Revelation is one of these books. But I, I so enjoyed like getting into some new reading on it. So that was mm. that was a bonus. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, give us a summary then of where you took us on Sunday. Yeah, so I think where I, where it went on Sunday was picking up the consistency that we find in these chapters you know that just that reminder constant reminder of of god's truth and promise um as far as justice in an unjust world um but i think really it was also picking up on that sense of discipleship that ian uh, talked about the week before and well what does it mean today you know it's okay looking at revelation and understanding every little sort of piece of imagery but if you aren't able to 
figure out well what is what does that mean for me today then you're kind of missing part of the richness uh, of the imagination that's that's brought uh, within the book of revelation um in scripture so yeah i think that's kind of i sort of went from the <laughs> the big picture to <laughs> to our hearts and our lives uh, Shirley, you said that it's that these chapters are demonstrating the, the consistency of God towards just and, justice and repentance and the consistency of the story of the Bible. And you were talking about the whole, um, you referenced the old hymn, Tell Us the Old, Old Story. And I was, I, I love that because it reminds me, how many minutes in are we before, before I mentioned the Bible project? Um, it reminds me of the comment that Mackie always makes about the Bible, which is that it's a unified story that's leading us to Jesus. And I think sometimes we can think that Revelation is kind of like an outlier and it's the kind of sort of random book on the end and what are we doing with it? But you were highlighting to us how it is demonstrating that God has a passion for justice and that he is bringing things to its rightful conclusion. And it felt like a really um, helpful underline for all of us to remember that this is this these are the things which God is passionate about and we're not kind of abandoned to feeling like how this is going to stay. Yeah, I mean it's the mystery, isn't it? You know, in in one of the verses it talks about just, you know, the revealing that that fullness of the mystery. And I think you're right, Jackie. I think sometimes I find as a Christian, and the older that I get, <laughs> at the beginning it was a different story, but um, at the older that I get, I just feel like sometimes we're trying to come up with, with new yeah. things all the time and new thoughts, and uh, and it's great. I love learning and I love exploring. Um, however, sometimes it's good also just to remember that we have everything that we need, and actually sometimes that's the thing that you know we can <laughs> we can miss. In, in trying to sort of be too sophisticated mm-hmm. uh, in our understanding. So, so yeah, I found that really helpful in just kind of my journey with Revelation through the years uh, was just seeing how it all just kind of, you know, there's just this consistency. We're actually reading through the whole Bible in the prison with the women, uh, and that's been really good because, again, you just kind of keep seeing uh, the same kind of story acted out in, in different yeah. seasons. It's all like the patterns and the symbolism that are all referencing each other all the time through all of scripture, which is really extraordinary. I think that's one of the challenges, isn't it, is that reading things in isolation is helpful, but in reality, we do need knowledge from other parts of scripture. Brody, how challenging is that for all of us? Run that by me again, Jackie. Sorry, I was I'm, I'm busy thinking about something. <laughs> Honest, I was I was kind of listening. Just just proves the point of guys can't multitask. Can we keep that bit in, please? <laughs> but do you know what? There there's a description of what this whole book of Revelation is about. That it's so multi-layered that actually God is is layering these things and revealing uh-huh. these, these things all at the same time, which is more yep. than we have the capacity for doing. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that Brody was actually thinking about Revelation <laughs> uh, and not about what he's having for dinner. But, you know, there is that whole kind of thing where I think even this thing about the trumpets, um, you know, the question is how 
is this a kind of chronological description of what's happening in in history? Mm-hmm. Um, so is it part of this kind of narrative, or is it almost a stepping back and kind of looking at history from a slightly different angle? Which you know I'd kind of suggest is what I would uh, see here. That um, we're almost getting a repetition of what we've seen before in the seals, and we're getting a repetition of what we're going to to see later on. So I think there's, I, you know, I think there is a multitasking that's going on in the book of Revelation. And I think one of the ways to look at it is that there are multiple things going on that are speak, speaking into this story. So Brody's just demonstrated how difficult it is to do that. You've made Jack very happy because I can, te- I can tell Ian from what you've just said that that agrees with something that Tim Mackey said. So Jack is now very happy that you and Tim Mackey have a similar theological outlook on the repetition of trumpets, seals, and bowls in the book of Re- in the book of Revelation. Jack, do you want to take us through a little bit of well, that? Can I can I jump in first? Of Brody's so, remembered what he wanted things. to speak about. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just what I was thinking about. Of but it's more than repetition. So I think Ian's right in kind of like talking about layers. So repetition's just the same thing done again. And in these three times seven judgments that we see, it's not merely repetition, but there's a, a deepening of colour. There's more revealed. There's 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 a lot happening there. What I was thinking about was um, Shirley, when she was giving her recap, said something like um, starting with imagination and then changing our hearts. And I'm thinking, how do we... How do we help each other do that? How do we do that ourselves? I, I've been reading a book by Colonel West and um, I, something kind of like, well, lots of things. It's one of these books that it's difficult not just to underline everything. But something he said was, either we learn a new language of empathy and compassion or the fire this time will consume us all. And that kind of like, you know, surely talking about the the imaginative images this explosion of colour, this drama that we see in Revelation, is meant to do something to our hearts. But how do we how do we help each other with that so that it leads to Jesus like justice, Jesus like compassion, Jesus like empathy in the world and not just us hiding somewhere or, you know, withdrawing. So that, that that's that's what I was thinking of. When, when Jackie what? was kind of like <laughs> asking a question and my head was You're all right, Brody, it wasn't that <laughs> As we have now moved on, um, <laughs> obviously we're saying that the, the trumpets are effectively a slightly different angle, but a sort of retelling of what we've talked about already in the seven seals. But we use a lot of the Exodus themes, as you were talking about, Shirley, on Sunday. What is the significance of using the Exodus themes about plagues and I'm assuming there's something about the significance of our unwillingness to repent like there are are multiple opportunities but yet in the same way that Pharaoh kept saying that he would and then didn't is this what is the significance for us in 2023 that with multiple warnings we continue to be people who won't repent surely yeah I mean so one of the things well, I can't remember if I mentioned it or not. You know, that you, you sit down, you think, well, it was in my notes, but I don't think it came out of my mouth. So what was interesting was that I picked up on John's numbers, again, that he used in relation to the seals. I think it was a, a quarter 
we talked about it, you know, that what was happening would affect a quarter of who was there. And then in the trumpets, it's a third of who was there. And then obviously you've got the, the sort of final whole number. But kind of what I was reading commentaries around that was just that really sort of pushed into the the warning aspect, you know, that there will be opportunities. You can either call them warnings or opportunities, isn't it? And I think that's a perspective in and of itself. But, you know, but both it's, it's as you say, it's it's about the heart, that comes back to the heart again. You know, do we see it as an opportunity? Do we take it? Or do we just keep resisting and, and, and going kind of almost headstrong into, into just the path that, that we're carving out, whether it's power or success or, you know, oppression, whatever. So I think that's a really important part of this. And also on the perspectives, what came to my mind, I think was it the first podcast you did and you talked about was it Inception or ET? And when I when I listened, I was like, oh, I love this because this is just my kind of imagination. <laughs> you know, I mean <laughs> I think I'm made for revelation. But what struck me <laughs> when I was going through these passages was in Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, I was so glad that my son, who's a film buff and, and he's great, he always kind of points me in good directions, he explained to me that some of it was going to be in black and white and some of it was going to be in colour. Now, I, I'm hoping that I would have worked that out myself, but <laughs> by the time I would have worked it out, I might have missed things that were really important for me to see and hear. So I think that's a wee bit as well about community in the sense of, you know, Brody's question, how do we... I think we've got to really encourage one another. I think we've got to help one another with that imagination, be brave, courageous. We've got to create safe conversations that we can have as Christians that are honest and not uh, judgmental because our processing involves that, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I don't know. that There was a lot in that <laughs> answer, but... <laughs> well, Ian, if I can ask you, what do you feel the significance of the Exodus, like the referencing the Exodus plagues is at, in this machination of how we're talking about seven i mean i think there's there's a whole number of things that um kind of resonate when you think about the plagues i think the one thing perhaps that stands out for me is is almost getting back to shirley's original point about this being part of a narrative that's going somewhere so the story of exodus is about journey it's about uh, a liberation salvation event that enables god's people to get out of of egypt uh, and then to get Egypt out of God's people, which takes even longer. Um, but I, I think Revelation, the, the whole journey of, of Revelation is about um, about purging. Um, it, the, the outcome of Revelation is the preparation of a bride for the Lamb. Um, and that actually takes this uh, takes a whole process of, of repentance and confession uh, and transformation. So I think we have to see in the micro repentances and the individual moments of confession that this is actually part of a transformative process so god is in the business of preparing his bride and so when we get these things that bump up against us and we don't like it and we have to confess and we find things out about ourselves the big picture is god is preparing his bride um and he's also purifying people so um i think it's one of the commentators i think it might be scott mcknight talks about how God is clearing through the rubble 
and through the rubble of the world to prepare the world for the coming of the Lamb in fullness. So actually this, all of these plagues and um, punishments and all of, all of this kind of judgment that's coming upon the world and, and the world is bringing on itself is purging the world and, and readying it so that it will be in a place where the new Jerusalem shall come down from heaven to earth. Sorry, that's kind of calling out how the book ends, but um, I think people know where it goes. But I think just to have that sense of, of, of a narrative that, that God is using these things, not sending these things, but God is using them to purge and to prepare um, his people for himself. Yeah, I think one of the big challenges for us of, you know, in thinking of the Exodus story and, and John, when he draws in these things, he, he plays with them and, you know, we end up with a mashup between some of the Exodus stuff and things that are happening in Joel and all that sort of thing. But if we remember back of, so the Exodus story, liberation, not just from something, so not just liberation from injustices, but liberation so that the people could worship God truly. And that's one of the big themes throughout this whole book of that that a Micah 6 kind of coming together of true worship and, and justice. Um, and we know that kind of like the, the, the plagues in Egypt were judgments upon the gods, the Egyptian gods. Um, so one of the things, subtexts here is a judgment on idolatry. Um, and in John's time, the idolatry's in your face. In ours, it's hidden behind other things. So it's hidden behind our consumerism or careerism or or whatever. But what what is it that we're worshipping? Um, because God and his judgments, which are always bent towards mercy and repentance and salvation, is freeing us from something for something. So that's that's kind of like a, a challenge, certainly a challenge I've been thinking about of what are the idols in my life that, you know, distract me from worshipping God truly. And, and remembering of this is all tied back to the oracles to the seven churches of some of this had crept into the church. So it just wasn't out there, but it's in here. So in me, in QP, what are our idols that aren't of God that keep us from worshipping him in, in truth? And that's connected to that practical aspect of of justice and participating in the end of the story of, you know, true worship and, and, and when God has put all things right. So how are we participating in, in that and not mm. in acts of idolatry? Shirley, you mentioned obviously about your work in prisons and I think it must be particularly interesting for you to be reading about justice-themed things in the context of the life that you're living and the things that you're experiencing. You, you touched some on that. Can you speak a bit more about how you feel this relates and fits in and makes you feel when you're working in the places that you're working? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I always felt I ought to be in prison, like not me personally, I'm not going to go and commit a crime. Uh, <laughs> although, I, you know, I do feel at one point I feel if I ended up in prison for a just cause, then that is kind of one of my bucket list things. Wow. <laughs> I know that sounds really bad. <laughs> and I wouldn't like it. I mean, I'm, you know, it's one of these things. It's on my gravestone, you know, it sounds a good idea at the time. But <laughs> I'd, like to think, I'd like to think that I would, you know, I would stand up for it that much. But 
So answering your question, I think, um, yeah, what, what I see is it's almost a place where that opportunity is is given um is is given space it's given a place that can bring people aside um and that's what i hear from from the women or the men uh, i used to be in another prison before that for some they didn't take the space you know and they just stuck with the judgment the man made judgment that they'd been given the sentence or whatever and and kind of sat with trying to you know, c- consistently resist that as well and the system rather than thinking actually, okay, I've been judged by humanity for a crime, grappling with that, but is there another aspect to what I've done, you know, against human and against God? So I think it I think it creates a space, a vacuum that God works within. So our human society see that as kind of a space for you know for someone to to be rehabilitated or you know renewed but i think it can go much deeper into the heart and and into the life uh, so i find it's it's a really good place for me to be and as brody was saying it it calls me it almost calls things out in me because it takes me into a place where there's space for that because uh, this world is busy and you know and so it takes you aside and I find that God challenges me in, in what's in my heart in that space, just chatting to these women. And does reading these chapters in Revelation encourage you in that? Does that feel like it is uplifting? Yeah, it, it does. It does. Um because I, I think I think what it you know, again what it comes back to is that sort of Exodus theme, you know, if Kind of where my mind was drawn as Brody was speaking was that when when they left, God also told them to to ask for things from the Egyptians, you know. So later on it, it tells us that some of the mirrors, the bronze mirrors that the women had brought out, they brought to the, the door of the temple. And these were refashioned, renewed into the basins that were used in the temples. And I always think that, you know, God is God yeah, it's not just about moving from one place to the other. It's about, you know, renewing, repurposing. So yeah, revelation is just brings that brings that hope, brings that promise. And in fact, one of the the women who'd asked what I was doing, and then when I went in Sunday, she said, How did you get on? And I told her and she said and I said, How did you get on? Did you read Revelation? She went, Oh, she says, I got as far as there was like big monsters and things like that. She says, I just shut the I just shut the book. She says I, that was just too much for me. <laughs> so uh, so I said to her, look, let's we'll take some time and we'll we'll think about this, you know. So yeah, it's it's to be engaged with, isn't it? Yeah. But that is such an interesting, interesting comment that she made because I feel really God was speaking to me about this yesterday, because obviously we're we're kind of deep diving revelation at the moment. And so it's on my heart and mind a lot. And I just felt God really speaking to me and challenging me about how scripture isn't there to trip me up and to create places of fear and the importance of understanding it as this this unified story that sits together that all speaks and references each other that that underlines the faithfulness of god the fact that there is a plan the fact that he has it all covered and revelation 
has scared me so often in for many reasons i mean we've talked about this before we we sort of all relate to this fact that you get to certain chapters and go wait what <laughs> but feeling like in the way i described it yesterday to the guys was that it, you know instead of it being in the too hard column i want it to be in the leads me to wonder column because actually when you sit with something for long enough and realize that god's does he isn't trying to trip me up he's not trying to scare me that there there isn't a lot to gain out of it that being said we need help <laughs> and so it's really important for us to have places to go or good commentaries to read or or simple tools to help us in our understanding of it because i was feeling so encouraged about it yesterday i was feeling so excited about revelation as a book and its significance for all of us on our lives today and the importance of understanding it and not just ignoring it as this thing of oh well it's the tricky book at the back and we kind of you know it's a bit mm. it's a bit harder to digest yeah i was just going to say jackie just how it's kind of affecting me at the moment because i think a lot of this book and particularly maybe particularly this passage is about how do we respond and react to injustice uh, and without making any political kind of comments i think you know we're all thinking how do we react and respond to the injustice in yeah. the Middle East at the moment? And 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 I think there's that whole thing about, is it Martin Luther King who says the arc of the universe bends towards justice? And I've never been convinced mm -hmm. by that because I think if you, if you just take God out of the picture, I mean, I think he was coming at it as a Christian. I think he was being informed by his faith in that. But if you just imagine that somehow, luckily, um, then you know, that, that things just work out for the best. We don't actually know that unless we know that there's somebody behind all of this, that good is actually stronger than evil and that the world and its history is, is somehow in, in God's hands. So, um, you know, I, so even just thinking um, about the mm -hmm. Exodus, you know, one of the things that the Exodus says to us is that God hears, That's how it begins with, you know, I've heard the affliction of my people. And I'm coming uh, down to to their aid. And I, the thing that's really kind of stuck out, sorry, I'm kind of getting to my point, but the thing that's really stuck out to me last week and this week is the way that this revelation draws you into reality. It, draw, it allows you to come into the world with all its agony, pain and difficulty. And then it brings this, this repetition, this repertoire of, of prayer and intercession. Um, so you get that again at the beginning of chapter 8. So before the trumpets are sounded, we have the golden censer being opened, which is the prayer of the saints and the incense rising. Um, and I think for me, it's just been really helpful to understand that in a world that I can't get my head around, and even when you start digging and scratching away at the Middle East and trying to kind of think, what do I pray, how do I pray, you just get into a real, um, you know, difficulty very quickly and just that whole thing that God is attending to the afflictions of people and that that prayer has a significant role in the midst of injustice and the midst of complexity that we don't can't get our heads around and we don't have to understand it all to pray so I think for me that's been uh, my journey in Revelation has been to acknowledge afresh that intercession has a place and particularly 
as we're drawn into situations of injustice. So I don't know if that's taken us all down a different line, but that's kind of how it's, it, it has landed for me. In the last uh, few no, weeks. I don't think so at all. I think the other thing that's been highlighted for me, and exactly as you're talking about the Middle East and so on, is this reminder, as if I didn't know already, but a powerful reminder that God sees it all. That Because I think oftentimes we can feel so discouraged, like he's not paying attention. Like, you know, sometimes it feels like, Lord, can you see what's happening over here? And you read Revelation and it's like, no, I know. I know what the human condition is like and, and I'm telling you. And we read it so often kind of think, gosh, this is like something at a movie. Well, no, it's not like something at a movie. This is the world. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, you know, Middle East for some of us, you know, would have been a real trope for Armageddon and disaster and um, you know some of these events in another part of my life would have produced fear and anxiety and I just think even reading Revelation as I've been watching the news on this occasion it's actually been a strength and a comfort yeah. because you actually are recognising that this is not larger than the mercy and the grace of God and that this is held within the the purposes and the and the direction of God that we will not be overcome as as Shirley was saying earlier on you know there there is that sense of mercy and grace in all of this that none of these judgments overwhelm everything they're not the end of the story um, they're only at the at the worst they're sealed six and they're trumpet six they're not number seven they're not the complete story so I so I think there's a real assurance, which I think is actually what Revelation was always intended to do. I don't think it was intended to scare us. I think it was intended to yes. help us to see reality, but to see it from the throne room mm -hmm. of God with a level of confidence and assurance that stops us having to feel that we need to fight like mm. the lion, but we can actually engage like the lamb in prayer um, and in in confidence in God. So I, I've kind of found it just really interesting kind of having these two kind of visions in my eyes over these last two weeks and just kind of reading Revelation through the the news. Cody, does this resonate? Jackie, I think it's, yeah, yeah, I think it's even more encouraging than God sees it, of God hears it. So going back to me earlier on, I could still see you on screen, but I was not listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and as well as kind of that nice literary link from kind of like the Exodus story of God hears or cries and then here chapter 8 which then has all these Exodus illusions starts with the prayers of the saints do you know what they have reached yeah. his throne room God yeah. has heard mm. them and he hasn't just heard them but he is he's holding mm. them in these so it's not like kind of like they've gone into file 13 the wastebasket they're, they're in these precious bowls what an encouragement mm -hmm. Um, of he hears us and then he acts upon them. So these prayers are then poured out. Um, so God sees, he hears and he acts. What an encouragement. And I think the challenges are one of the, that the God is, is in it all. So it's back to, I know you like your, your worship songs of, you know, even when we don't well, see God acting, then God is, is, is moving. He is working out his purposes. At times that can seem really hard. At times we are the saints under the altar crying, how long, God, when are you going to do something? Because <laughs> um, I think that's the, the challenge as well of, of you know, the question of, well, if God sees us, why is he not doing more? 
um, and God is acting. But there is that, I think the, the prayer thing is, is that challenge for how do we show up in this? So again, going back to Colonel West, I, I love his quote of justice is what love looks like in public. So, and that includes prayer, um, but you know, how does this show up, you know, in caring for the needy, visiting people in prison and um, speaking out appropriately and wisely, but in, in acting in those ways, but undergirding it all is, is worship and, 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 and prayer. And I guess there's at times we can feel as though praying is ineffectual and, and the enemy comes along and says, yeah, prayer, it's not enough, is it? You need to be doing more. Whereas, you know, IJM's so International Justice Mission a while back ran kind of like a, a morning of prayer. And I think they, they called it, I'll butcher this slightly, but they called it something like a beautiful waste. And somebody said, you know, it can seem like a waste of time praying, but what a beautiful waste of time. Because <laughs> the thing was, it wasn't a waste of time to spend time individually and corporately before God uh, in prayer because our prayers go beyond the ceiling and reach his throne room. Shirley, you, you talked about us not just being resistant to the evil, but to lean into the lamb, which I thought was a really beautiful expression, which you explained some about that, about why you felt like that leaning in was so significant. Can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it comes out of, of two places. One, you know, what I read in scripture and, and what I learn uh, from good theologians, <laughs> uh, but also just personally, I just feel that God has um, has taken me on that journey, you know, uh, it, through my my life with God and as disciple um, and how important that leaning in space looks like. Uh, and for me to to always be conscious that 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 may change and that I have to be active in that uh, and that, you know, God always desires more of that because <laughs> he wants all of me. Um, and so it's a constant kind of growth. Yeah, and it's the place of discernment. At the end of the day, we it's okay resisting, and we should resist, absolutely. Uh, but how do we know we're resisting the right thing? Because deception is is <laughs> you know is there, and so Scott McNick talks about the double dissident disciple. I love that. I, it's like that really captured me. And, uh, and that's why in the Peter Housen painting, you've got the church on the hill with the light on, but is anybody in, you know? Uh, so I, I think for me, leaning in is the discernment. And I think particularly if, you know, when, when as Christians, we need to know what we're resisting. And the world has painted just such a complex sense of what that might be. And so for the church, we're historically, we tend to be really late for the party on most justice issues. And, you know, actually, I think God wants us to be right there at the beginning, <laughs> waiting for the party to start so that we can, you know, we can bring something uh, in that, that, might, that might just help some of the chaos 
that ensues from a lot of these um, moments of injustices. So, yeah, discernment, leaning in, understanding uh, what God and a place for confession, personal confession, uh, and let God examine examine my heart. Yeah. There's a song that I've been listening to. It was actually, um, it was kind of brought to the Alpha Conference uh, this year. And it's by Holy Trinity Brompton. And it has a line in it that says, we've seen injustice and let it be. We've drawn our own lines on your masterpiece. And I I mean, the song kind of undoes me anyway, but I, I just feel that thing for the church that we see injustice all the time and, and we're, we can oftentimes just be ambivalent to it and just not sort of seeing it. We, we sort of hold ourselves separately. I think, yeah, I think it's also about our posture when it comes to injustice i think we often perceive ourselves to be the just and be engaging with matters of injustice from this place of purity and holiness um and i think we need to engage from the point of view of recognizing that we will not only be victims um or even those who are separated off in some form of holy bubble. We're not only victims, but we are perpetrators as well of injustice. So I, I, I think the posture with which we engage is actually really significant because I think sometimes we can come across that, you know, we somehow are on some righteous hill and we have this kind of perfect morality. And of course, that's not true. Um, and it is often seen not to be true. And so that diminishes our, our witness. So kind of coming at this in a way which is much more humble, I think is really important. And I think we also just need to be strategic in what issues and so on we engage with because somehow we can imagine that as Christians we have the, the secret sauce on, on absolutely every issue and, and we don't. Um, and so we just need to, I think, have a real sensitivity, humility um, and wisdom about how we engage with some of those those issues. Even on Sunday, when Shirley was speaking, just a lot of the themes for me resonate or are summed up in, in Micah 6.8. You know, and just even what you're just saying there, you know, act justly, love mercy mm-hmm. and walk humbly with your God. And I think that posture of walking humbly with, with God is, do you know what, we don't get it right all the time and we are complicit mm. in things and hard at times because we we live within systems of various things, it's hard to totally remove yourself uh, from that. And I think, Ian, in some respects, it goes back to, was it when you were talking uh, the week before, Shirley, of, you know, one of the important things we can do as disciples of Jesus is actually ask the questions, you know, ask. And that fits in, I think, with some of Shirley's discernment thing. And as Baptists, we kind of like say, do you know what, we actually discern things best together. So again, a lot of this comes back to community and how we, we talk about these things and talking about things with grace and humility as well as we discern how we are being influenced by ungodly powers uh, around us and what kind of like participating in the exodus might look like for us. Has the modern church become self-righteous in a way that we weren't before and therefore we as individual Christians become like that? 
I'm not old enough to know because I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) I suspect that we have always been self-righteous. I think anything that is called out in scripture, I think we have to accept that it's a a human issue. It just probably manifests in different ways. Uh, I I think what I kind of want to say, Jackie, um, is, I I mean, uh, Shirley kind of alluded, not in Shirley didn't allude to this, Shirley spoke this out very directly, um, that repentance is core to living a a discipling lifestyle. I think sometimes we put a full stop at the end of repentance. You know, something I did, well, I did repentance once, but repentance is, I should have a comma after it. Repentance is, is a lifestyle. And repentance, you actually have to distinguish yourself from what you're, swimming in to repent so you don't know that you're doing something wrong until you ask the questions or till you're convicted or till you realize so i think the first bit of repentance is actually that questioning am i just going with the flow here am i just worshiping the same idols and going after the same things other people uh, and then you have to once you've seen it you've got to say it so it's like do you know what god i have to confess here i've, I've got this wrong and once you've seen it and said it You've got to walk a different way. So repentance is about turning. So I think one of the things that really struck me about what Shirley was saying was that whole um, way in which repentance has to be a lifestyle. We have to um, walk in holiness, I guess would be the biblical word for it. We, We have to detach from being just simply the agents of, of a culture and a world that are, um, are different from the kingdom mm. of God. So I think repentance is actually key in how we live as disciples um, in this this context, whether we're go back a thousand years or yeah. whether it's today or tomorrow. Richard, I haven't let you get a word in edgeways, but I, I do want to ask you I, a I've question. Been, I've been enjoying I've been enjoying uh, getting the perspective of our listeners just sitting back here can, listening can, to you. Can school. I ask you a question though? Because you you've started on yeah. the Scott McKnight book. So I was wondering what, what revelation yes. it was giving you of revelation. I, I think the main effect Ian alluded earlier on to the effect that the study in Revelation was having in him the main effect the study in Revelation is currently having in me is my bank balance as I increasingly buy all of these books that the pair of them keep on recommending. <laughs> so I would I would recommend the Scott McKnight book. It is very, very good. I'm about five chapters in and we're just getting stuck in to what Shirley uh, used at the weekend and, and indeed just earlier in this episode, which was about the dissident disciple. And that's a phrase that obviously I've heard the guys unpack in the last few weeks as well. But it is, yeah, I, I think it could be one of those phrases that comes into the lexicon for Queen's Park Baptist. It would not surprise me. But I would certainly recommend it. It does, however, now that I am speaking, give me the opportunity to say and reflect on what Brody and Ian have both just spoken about, which was ask your questions. Mm. And what better place to ask your questions than by emailing them to this very podcast? <laughs> so you have us sit, enjoy that segue, boys. That was that was that was a, like a revelation chapter, and they and they stopped for half an hour while they thought about a segue. <laughs> so mm. I rattled it off really quickly. So that's what you're here for, Richard. That's what I'm doing so well. Keep keep it going. So the the if you have a question, then email office at qpbc.org. Just put in the little headline header box that it's for the podcast, and the question will work its way towards us. 
No question is too complicated or indeed too not complicated. I'm not suggesting it's a difference between being a you know clever question and a dumb question, but Ian did send me a quote. I don't think it was a Spurgeon quote. I'm not sure who it was from. But it was a quote that uh, Jesus said, feed my sheep and not feed my giraffes. So any question of any level is indeed welcome. So please do send them into that email address or reach out to us, come along to the building, tap one of us up, ask us questions. That's how we got the 144,000 one last week. And more questions, and we'll give it a wee plug here. Ian, the transforming event is coming up shortly where there will indeed be lots of opportunity to ask questions. Do you want to give a little bit of a plug yeah, for that? Yeah, so 27th of October, um, you can book in through the website. Um, the kind of motivation behind this is that oftentimes people see science as being either in conflict or being totally uh, separate from faith. Can you be... Um, informed scientifically about the world can you believe um, what the scientists tell us about the world and still have faith so um, we're really kind of addressing that issue on Friday night um, we've got Professor David Wilkinson um, from Durham University with us um, David is both an astrophysicist and a theologian. Now, try saying that with your teeth out. It is really difficult. Um, so he's a really great communicator, and um, I'm just really looking forward to it. So a big shout out for it. We're going to do just um, on the Saturday morning um, a bit more informal, interactive seminar um, over sort of coffee and buns with the idea of, well, how do we as Christians, so more kind of focused on people who have faith, um, how do we articulate um, the message in a scientific age and, you know, what are maybe some of the, the things to um, say and some of the things not to say and some of the things that are helpful um, avenues to go down. So um, I'm sure there's, well, there will be an opportunity for questions as well and, and the same principle applies. No question is too straightforward or too complex um it's particularly good to say that when i won't be answering the questions um, so um there'll be an opportunity for people to um fire questions at, at david as well and i'm sure he will be really um interesting in how he responds to that and by all means if you're not going to be able to make it then ask or send in your questions to the show and we'll make sure they get asked if you're not going to be able to attend brody Yep. So the Friday night is a great opportunity for us to invite our non-Christian friends, people who are curious, um, even perhaps people that we've invited to Alpha and they couldn't commit to uh, something that was multiple weeks, but hey, they can, they can do a Friday night. Exactly. And it's probably uh, Alpha kind of deep dives into who is Jesus and why did Jesus die? So it's kind of um, maybe another step for people. So you know, if you are kind of really um, unsure or you're just dipping a first toe in the water, it's uh, an ideal um, evening for people like that. Good stuff. Well, after that interlude, then uh, hopefully that's given the four of you a chance to come up with both your cultural reference or cultural suggestion for the week and your final thoughts. So I shall spin, well, if you don't really spin the wheel, it's, I suppose the biblical thing would be to draw lots. So I will, I will, in my imagination, draw lots and I will say, Brody, give us your cultural recommendation for the week, first of all. 
Uh, so my cultural recommendation is I've been listening to John Coltrane's I Love Supreme. Oh, very good. Very good. Very funky. Uh, uh, he- are you a headphones listener or a surround sound lots of speakers listener? I'm a headphones listener because I have compassion for my wife and love my wife and we have very, very different music tastes. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, okay. I mainly mainly on headphones. Very good, very good. Uh, Shirley, give us your cultural recommendation for the week. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a cultural recommendation. Um, it doesn't but, have um, to be very cultural. Mine's yeah, not. I, re- I mean, I really love art. Uh, which you probably guessed. And so um, I've signed up to, it's called Christian Art um, Daily Devotion. And uh, I'm really enjoying oh, that. Wow. So, it, and it's not all religious paintings, you know, but it's just kind of sparking the imagination, uh, which is really good. And I love learning things. So maybe my cultural investment is I am, I've booked into a tap dancing <laughs> Get class, in. which starts uh, wow. in... Oh, I don't know, two weeks' time, I think it is, in the West End. So it's tap dancing for absolute beginners. <laughs> I'm putting myself right Good at the very stuff. bottom. But uh, but anyway, my daughter's given me her tap shoes and I'm going to go for it. So, yeah. I am cool. so impressed by that. That's wow. truly the best. That's cool. truly the best one we're going to have for months. That's so impressive. <laughs> Jack, tell us well, your thoughts. I, I don't really have cultural reference thing is really i mean i i would like to highlight again this song by holy trinity trinity brompton the amen song yeah mm. oh cultural riffs oh i can't beat uh shirley i mean that's <laughs> you could just go tap dancing with her you should go with her tap dancing cleric it's I not a competition. It's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a possibility. I mean, I think where the age of miracles hasn't uh, <laughs> isn't completely over, but that's probably stretching it a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, confession time. I've just been to uh, a kind of retro back to the 1980s for people who are around in the 1980s. Um, you may remember Lloyd Cole and the commotions. Uh-huh. Um, and I've just been to a Lloyd Cole concert at the weekend. Highly recommend it. Really amazing uh, stuff. You have got about 40 years of back catalogue to dig into if you're into um, no, it doesn't even matter if you're into it or not into it. It's, it's actually a very um, varied, inventive songwriter. So um, yeah, we had a great time. Two and a half hours uh, of, of songs, one after the other. So yeah. Very good. Back as to opposed the 1980s to, as for opposed me. to like all at once those songs like it is in Revelation everything just happens all together all at once and there's no <laughs> there's no way of distinguishing the order of things it's just like everything together uh, good stuff well I'll more the tone uh, next week is 25th of October St Crispin's Day I don't know if you knew that but it's also in celebration of St Crispin's Day the second International Crisp Sandwich Day. No. So if you are an appreciation of fine Scottish cuisine that's not deep fat fried, there is the glory of putting a packet of crisps in between two pieces of white bread properly buttered up, then you need to Google all things St. Christmas Day for the Crisp Sandwich Day 25th of October next week. So you can check out Instagram for all of that. It's it's a glorious and wonderful thing. Now that I've lowered the tone, we will raise the tone again. I 
I think we should. I think we should come back to you, Richard, uh-huh. and um, do sort of various menu options. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, it's uh, all after there. You've had the experience. It's all there, like the 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 what the cheesy what's it on on the slice of bread, you know, the quaver. It, it's just it's just the, the the where to go. It has to be British crisps, none of yeah. your French or American trash. And so, you have to have your GP on speed dial. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, have your have the blood pressure meter actually on while you and while your you wife in another country. Recommended. And your wife in another country. So if anyone would like to join me for Monster Munch between two pieces of pan bread uh, next week, then do get in touch on Sunday. <laughs> yes. So yeah, give us your final thought for this week. Um, so a little bit of kind of testimonial expression that had a profound impact on me a number of years ago. Some of you will know... Um, worship leader called David Ruiz who wrote um, the song um, Let God's Glory Go From Here to the Nations Um, he spoke about developing worship songs in relation to Isaiah 58 and God's cry for justice Um, and a a phrase which he used has stuck with me for a long time um, which is the fragrance of worship is justice Um, And I think Revelation brings together the sense of the desire for justice in the context of worship. And I think these are two things that we often, and sometimes some Christians are, Christians are into worship and there's Christians that are into justice. And yet Revelation brings those two things together as we have a a God's eye view of of what's happening in the world. So so yeah, in summary, the, the fragrance of worship is justice. Brilliant. Jack? Well, I I mean, I have just been really challenged this week that I think there will be some of us who are feeling like revelation is too much for us. And I just really, really want to encourage anyone who feels like that as a book, it is a bit overwhelming that God's desire is not for us to be perplexed and confused, but that he wants to bring us something. And it might be a different something for all of us, but that there is richness to be found in it. And for people, I know we've already referenced these videos, but if you are feeling confused, then definitely check out the book of Revelation summaries that the Bible Project have done on YouTube. They're in two parts. They're really helpful. I rewatch them kind of multiple times. Um, I feel like I'm here to shout out for the people who sometimes get overwhelmed by by all things uh, Revelation. <laughs> So I just also they've got up their podcast also has an episode episode 198 is five strategies for reading Revelation. It's from the 1st of June 2020. So that's um, they actually have a series around that time, which is on apocalyptic literature. But just that one episode is Revelations particularly. And it is is so helpful. They speak so well. And if ever anyone's going to get you excited about Revelation, Tim Mackey is definitely going to do it. So I just want to encourage people to to keep going with it if you're feeling like you're struggling. Good stuff, Brody. Encouragement to do what Shirley suggested and and lean into God, press into him, and that will include reading, continuing to read Revelation. But just kind of like a final comment as well of of the judgments that we are in the midst of uh, and where we are in reading in Revelation. These aren't revenge, uh, but an expression of God's love because God loves this world so much, because injustice 
is horribly wrong, then God acts to make all things mm. right. So, Shirley, you preached it, so you get the final word. Okay. Um, well, I think there's two things, and it's actually two songs. Um, so the first song is um, Bruce Springsteen's <laughs> uh, This Train, The Land of Hope and Dreams. That's that's just when I'm reading Revelation. It's one of my favourite songs, uh, and I would I would say it's a worship song for me. Um, but it's the idea of yeah that this is this is a, a land of hope and dreams, and and that there's all sorts on this train, and we're all going there uh, with God, and there's opportunities to get on the train, and that just drives my Christian faith. Um, and then where that gets driven out of is another pilgrim song that I've really been pressing into um, and using in our Friday reflective uh, prayers. And that is, um, I'm not in control. I'm not in a hurry. I walk in faith and hope. And I only bring back each day what God gives me to carry. So I'm not going to be a spiritual shoplifter. <laughs> I'm going to be open to what God gives me uh, and I need to lean in more on that and uh, and then yeah God will God will show me good things so yeah leave you with that two songs <laughs> I love that brilliant well thank you very much for that thank you very much mm. for joining us this week and thank you very much for preaching to us on mm. Sunday and thank you all of you for listening goodbye bye bye, bye. bye.